Welcome to You Gotta Have Faith. What is faith? In Hebrews 11th chapter, first verse, the Apostle Paul writes, Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. One playwright says it believes it's like seeing you. Yeah. <laughs> one playwright says it's believing you see white when your eyes tell you black. It's a belief where no one else believes. Dr. King says if you don't believe in something, you'll fall for anything. This is a podcast about faith. This is a Christian podcast where we share our faith and belief in God and in mankind, the goodness and kindness in mankind. In today's world, we see lots of ugliness based on racism, misogyny, and age-old grudges. But there is goodness in all of us. There is goodness in this world. But it begins with our belief. you got to have faith. All righty. So today is the 18th of May. Um, this is our first podcast after Mother's Day. We took a uh, hiatus out on Mother's Day. Hey, Rich. Hey, and Craig is with me. Uh, Deb is uh, out. She's been... Um, Sick, and also Deb and I have been in a um, in rehearsals for a show, Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown, and uh, we've been dancing, we've been singing, we've been having rehearsals until 10 p.m. Oh my goodness! And uh, yeah, I'm going to raise your uh, volume a little okay. bit. Yeah, yeah, there, there you go. go. <laughs> I'll talk right to you. How's that? Yeah, no, sir. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so uh, Deb is not with us, but she's there in spirit. And um, yeah, we're thinking about you, Deb. Yeah, and for those who had who who um, I hope everyone had a wonderful. Mother's Day. Yes. I uh, went to D.C. and, uh, you know, was with Mom, and uh, we had a wonderful time. And uh, just being back home uh, was just fantastic. And uh, I went to a Metropolitan Baptist Church, a church I hadn't been to in a very long time, although that was the church that I was baptized in. And um, How was that? Was it fun to be back there? It was fun. It was wonderful. And uh, I even got the book, The History of Metropolitan Baptist Church. It's a church that's been around since 1865. Wow. Lots of uh, rich, rich history. And um, so the church, you know, we were worried because the church um, had gone under. Um, it went under financial strains. And so the edifice, the edifice, edifice, the edifice was gone. Hmm. And uh, but the church has bounced right back. Uh, it has a, um, I think, in uh, Largo, Maryland. I think that's the uh, the place. But basically, uh, the church is back. It's strong and um Wonderful preaching, and uh, like I said, it was good to be back home. Is it a pretty big congregation now? Yeah, I think uh, maybe three, three hundred, four hundred, five hundred. That's that's yeah, that's impressive. Yeah, it yeah, is. That's good. And of course, we're used to having at least uh, it's 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 a lot like Glide. Uh, it's a lot like uh, at least back in the day, it was um, our version of Glide Church. When I when I go to Glide, uh, Reverend Amos Brown, it reminds me of the old Metropolitan. Good Cecil. Yeah, Cecil. That yeah. Is he still? No, no. <clears throat> I thought it was Amos Brown, but maybe, maybe I'm maybe, wrong. I think it is Amos Brown. Yeah, know. yeah. Well, it was just a lot of a lot of singing, a lot of praising. Lot oh, absolutely, of, right? absolutely. It's like you know, oh, good man. old down home church. Right on. So um, today we're going to talk about. I'm revisiting Dr. King. Although Dr. King has been dead since 1968, I find he still speaks to me. He still, um, you know, his sermons are still reverberate in my mind and in my ears. Yeah. And uh, in light of um, this week, uh, Alabama passed one of its uh, most oppressive abortion laws ever. Mm -hmm. uh, and there are a lot of <clears throat> other states that are following suit. Mm -hmm. And uh, once again, um, there's an air of resistance where people are sort of um, taking to the streets and uh, they're protesting. And uh, there are other things that are going on. And, that, um, and so I wanted to sort of revisit 
you know, what does the Bible say about protesting? And uh, Dr. King had a wonderful speech based on Daniel, the third chapter, verses 16 through 18. And his sermon was called, But If Not, If But Not. And I wanted to sort of revisit that. But before we do that, um, I'll engage us in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. We love you so much. And we thank you for waking us up this wonderful Saturday morning. We thank you for our strength. We thank you for our um, ability to wake up this morning. We thank you for the gifts that you have blessed us with and our ability to use these gifts in your name. We thank you for giving us the energy to look into your Bible, to read your words, um, words that have been around for thousands of years, and yet it's still living and active, and it still cuts into us and and heals us and uh, challenges us and um, and gives us a um, the challenge to to better our lives and to better other lives, and that's what we um, that was what, that's what we want to do. We ask that you bless us, bless our families, bless our friends, bless our enemies. Uh, help us grow. Help us grow to love one another. Help us grow to love ourselves. Sometimes that's hard. And help us to, to grow uh, in your name. We ask all of this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jesus name, amen. That's beautiful. Man. <laughs> that's beautiful. It's important. You know, uh, you, we were talking um, at lunch, at breakfast time, that the most difficult thing is to love our enemies. Well, that's, that seems to be the, the most difficult task. And I think uh, one of the things you, you brought up, this uh, oppressive new uh, law that, you know, against against women, against, mm-hmm. against families, against children, even against the men who are doing these things, mm-hmm. who are making these laws and trying to establish this oppression. You brought that up during breakfast. And I just wanted to reiterate that. The reason we're, I think the reason you brought this verse today is <laughs> so timely. I mean, uh, in this time, I'm seeing not only you know that abhorrent kind of treatment of of how we're going to deal with rape and incest and and women you know women's health and women's freedom. Mm-hmm. But there's this crazy, stupid stuff going on everywhere right now. They're trying to roll back the child labor laws. Yeah. You know, because, hey, you know, parents, even even two-income families don't have enough money to 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 uh, sustain themselves. So, hey, let's let's have the kids work. We've got this yeah. one Georgia politician. I don't know if it's the governor. I think he's taking away mandatory recess. That's going uh, to yeah, really, that's gonna really that. make teachers happy. Yeah. And uh, I, there's, I don't understand the reason of it whatsoever other than to mm-hmm. just try and pull down people who don't have voices, who don't have power, who don't have – who are living in poverty. And, they want, uh, and it seems as though mm-hmm. the, the powers that be want us to stay that way, want a society that becomes where the village is smaller and smaller and smaller and the mm-hmm. tribes are more and more – to divide it, and and wants to keep people from getting together, mm-hmm. from unionizing, from vo- vocalizing, from resisting, from even having a voice of their own. Yeah. So, um, and 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 in this time, you know, uh, you know, when people feel so alone, some people feel as though they don't have a friend <coughs> in the world, much less a, a church community, much less, a, mm-hmm. you know. You know, so people feel, you know, maybe alienated or ostracized in their families and sure. their workplaces and their, you know, even in their book club meetings. You know, they feel yeah. as though, you know, they they are, you know, they are solitary in this world. I think it's really important to, mm-hmm. to kind of like 
remind each other that even in those times, God's with you. Absolutely. And, and, and you know, and, yeah. and, and the lessons to be learned aren't just love thy enemy, but a, a kind of a roadmap towards that. You know, Absolutely. That's a lofty goal. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I don't want, you know, people may listen to this and say, oh, my God, these these lefties and they're trying to use <laughs> the Bible to, you know, point us to their own ideology. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I really think that Jesus wants us to love one another and to understand one another. You told me a story, Craig, uh, earlier um, today during breakfast about a guy who infiltrated an alt-right um, movement. I'm not sure if they were neo-Nazis or whatever. He uh, he went uh, well. He was he, he is a young man of color. I forget his name. Mm-hmm. And <coughs> the story is probably something. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. Every yeah. every every black person understands mm-hmm. is that uh, you know you're driving in your car, you're walking down the street, you're carrying you know a package or whatever, and you're you're in a place where you know. Perhaps, uh, you know, in, in your little town or in your community that, mm-hmm. you know, somebody gets suspicious, and maybe calls 911 or some squad car, pulled this guy over, hauled him in, you know, arrested him, no charge. Mm-hmm. And then his parents came in and said, like, what the hell were you thinking? Yeah. You know, you're, you're, you're black, you know, and this is what's going to happen to you, mm-hmm. you know. It's a good thing you called us. Now we, you know, you know, now we can, you know, get you out of here. But you could have been killed or hurt, you know. And uh, I don't know. He, you know, he was, he was, he was shook up by this. But what he did is like he decided. Well, you know, this, like many people have, you know, this is just not the way society needs to be. Right. This is not right. But, but he wanted to understand, you know where his enemy was coming from. So he infiltrated all these websites and all these, uh, mm-hmm. you know, organizations, InfoWars <coughs> and, all, and all these alt-right organizations and started to find, like, well, apart from a lot of stupidity and ignorance about, mm-hmm. you know, what what it was like to be, yeah. you know, uh, him, mm-hmm. um, he felt as though what he started to see was a kind of fear and paranoia and and just desperation Mm-hmm. Coming from these supremacists, right? And he began to kind of like feel like this strange kind of em- empathy, something he really didn't expect. He wanted to understand his enemy so he could figure out how to fight them, sure, how to oppose them. Mm-hmm. And I think that the the revelation mm-hmm. that came out of it was like, you know, it's one thing to, you know, watch your family, you know, and and your brothers and sisters and, and the people in your community, you know, be uh, Stereotyped, or um, you know, are used, or are taken advantage of, or even you know, abused. Mm-hmm. Uh, just as if you know, just as you know, we all think lynching was some kind of thing of the past, right? And uh, way far away. But there's <coughs> the, there is this still this kind of public mm-hmm. lynching and oppression that takes place, and, yeah. And it's and what he found out, what was kind of interesting, is that. Not only does it hurt your community and make your community angry and upset and fearful mm-hmm. and, and and combative towards towards this really wrong use of authority, mm-hmm. but the people he found the people uh, these white supremacists to be just as psychologically screwed up, if not worse, yeah, by witnessing <coughs> this kind of you know evil mm-hmm. themselves or and and 
not only witnessing but perpetrating it. But yeah. but the, you know, think about it. You know, you're a young man of color. You're watching. You know, you're watching. Mm-hmm. People in your family, people in your family being lynched. Right? Sure, and, sure, and that's one thing. But think about it, you know. He said, think about it from a young, uh, like a like a youngster, a white youngster watching this too. Mm-hmm. What are they taking in? I mean, yeah, it's it, it does nothing but damage. I mean, murder is murder. Yeah, and you're watching it and you're witnessing and and it's and it's condoned. Mm-hmm. Uh, think about the the damage that does to any young person, any young mind. Yeah, and think of how it would turn their heart. Yeah, towards fear. Towards you know just you know being coming sycophants sure for the sake of like oh well there's the other side and yeah. you know they're they're gonna they're gonna want to you know mm-hmm. get revenge you know and sure and, and, he, and what he saw what he no, I'm sorry but what no, he found what, what he found was uh, you know this this fear and this paranoia and this evil is across the board mm-hmm. you know. It's across the board and with all kinds of other feelings of, of stupid feelings, ignorant feelings of sure. hate and, and, and misunderstanding and mistrust. It's very easy for every, everyone to justify what they do. And I'm sure, you know, the folks in Alabama feel justified for protecting unborn children, um, even at the expense of a child. I mean, I'll read the, uh, the, this law here for those who don't, who may not, under, who may not know what's going on. Um, the law will punish doctors. Uh, so a Democrat state senator from Alabama equated a state bill that would ban abortion with no exceptions for rape and incest, rape and incest to the rape of all Alabama women. Um, this law will punish doctors who perform abortions with up to 99 years in prison. I mean, that's a life sentence and does not allow exceptions for cases of rape and incest. It makes it becomes the most restrictive abortion measure in the country. So that's what people are going on. And a lot of people have speculated, like I had the, I was doing the yay, and this is about a month ago, and we had a uh, French guy, David, David, um, I think his was name, a bear, a year. Um, oh, shucks, I wish, I wish I, um, I knew his last name. But in any case, he talked about, and this is coming from a Frenchman, that laws, local laws are going to test where um, Kavanaugh is going to push the Supreme Court. And that's, you know, and, and we saw it during the board, Brown v. Board of Education, you know, in 1954, where you had a new slew of Supreme Court justices. This is after Franklin Delano Roosevelt pushed, you know, a lot of uh, Supreme Court justices in. And organizations said, hey, we can test these laws. And that was sort of the birth of the second civil rights movement, mm-hmm. which happened in the 60s. Right. We're seeing a, ra- uh, a sort of a remix of that, only we have a Republican activists mm-hmm. and lawmakers pushing to see where this seemingly leaning conservative Supreme Court will push things. And unfortunately, like you talked about compassion and you talked about having empathy for your enemies to see why people feel this way or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and also people justifying, you know, that, hey, we're doing things for the right reason. And uh, and that and as a result, you have very, um, very uh, people who have callous towards their feelings and callous towards uh, anyone else where you stop understanding what it is to be a woman who is raped, who who's you know, who has her father coming in the bedroom door to tuck her in and all of a sudden, you know, crazy things happen. And she has to have the child because of some, you know, a, a mixed religious belief. The one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about this whole abortion thing, because a lot of people still feel the minute you, uh, someone calls himself a Christian, like I'm a Christian, I believe in Jesus Christ, 
all of a sudden some people believe, oh, well, you must be one of those who support this, you know, abortion ban and you must be one of these alt rights. And I want to emphasize that is not true at all. And I wanted to talk about the importance and the godliness of resistance, which is, brings us to Daniel uh, 3. And I'm going to read Daniel 3. Yeah, let's get to the scripture. Then. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Usually we jump into the scripture, but we sort of <laughs> yeah. put, the, put the horse, what do they call it, the cart in front of the horse. Mm-hmm. So in any case, this is the NIV version of um, Daniel 3, verses 16 through 18. And just to set this up, Nebuchadnezzar has, um, well, actually, I'm going to go to Daniel 8, and I'm going to go into 16. It was then that some Babylonians took the opportunity to denounce the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, may your majesty live forever. Your majesty has issued an order that as soon as the music starts, everyone is to bow down and worship the gold statue. And that anyone who does not bow down and worship it is to be thrown into a blazing furnace. There are some Jews whom you would put in charge of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who are disobeying your majesty's orders. They do not worship your God or bow down to the statue you set up. At that, the king flew into a rage and ordered the three men to be brought before him. He said to them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, is it true that you refuse to worship my God? and to bow down to the gold statue I have set up? Now then, as soon as you hear the sound of the trumpets, oboes, lyres, zithers, harps, and all the other instruments, bow down and worship the statue. If you do not, you will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Do you think there is any God who can save you? And here's 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered, Your Majesty, we will not try to defend ourselves if the God whom we serve is able to save us from the blazing furnace and from your power then he will but even if he doesn't your majesty may be sure that we will not worship your God and we will not bow down to the gold statue that you have set up and there it is yeah that's great powerful yeah you know, we were talking earlier, you know, mm-hmm. and I and, and the, I think the takeaway, and I like the I like the fact that you kept the story, you know, mm-hmm. without a you know, people go ahead and read on and find <laughs> out what happens. I mean, I I like the cliffhanger part of it because I think you picked out the most important thing. Yeah. And uh, we were talking, you know, I I think the takeaway from that is like own up, mm-hmm. own own your own your convictions. Yeah. And 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 even if you know that the the consequences are dire. Know that God is with you, you know, mm-hmm. as long as you are honest about them yourself. Yeah. You know, and, and the consequences being what they are. I think, I, you know, I pointed out, like, even you can take this all the way back to Genesis and Eve, you know, or, you know, God came in and said, like, who did this? Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> and it's kind of funny because, you know, there are only, what, two people there. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's not like you can go like, oh, oh, you know. Well, you know, it, and it happened. Adam said, "Well, she did it," and Eve owned up to it. You know, she owned up to it. Mm-hmm. She took responsibilities for her actions. Yeah, you know, and uh, and that's kind of something that uh, I think if you're going to share that link uh, with the Dr. King speech, absolutely, it, yeah. That uh, he he is telling. I think he's telling. In essence, mm-hmm. you know, his his congregation and 
the people he's asking to, you know, face this oppression, come what may, is to not do it with the expectation that there is something to be gained for this. Absolutely. Other than the fact that you are honestly facing something with the conviction of God in your heart mm-hmm. and the conviction that you know and understand and feel mm-hmm. that it is right, come what may. Absolutely. So there are basically two there, – there, there are a lot of things that King is talking about in his mm-hmm. speech, and we'll, send, and we'll have a link. Yeah. There are two things that he came um, – that he talks about. Number one – the, the nature of civil disobedience. You know, uh, I had talked earlier. Well, we, you and I had talked over breakfast about the, the concept of civil disobedience. You know, there are a lot of folks who um, are against or who are antisocial or who are anti-society. And they think within themselves, well, this is civil disobedience. Like I'm sure the folks who are neo-Nazis or who have their own um, – what are the guys who uh, – they have their own guns. Um, they're like um, like the, the Bundys, um, the um, – I don't know what they call themselves, um, but you know they they um, but milita- uh, militias um, militias that's what they call themselves, okay. and they feel justified. They feel hey the government's against us, so we're doing something righteous and just and, and what have you. I think there is a distinction between being against uh, an unjust society or an, an unjust uh, organization or a government or unjust laws where you can clearly distinguish a law that penalizes uh, people and um, or just being, you know, just uh, antisocial because you want to be against anything because you feel oppressed, but it's really within yourself. There is really no justification. I mean, when we think about um, those who are racist, those who believed in the, uh, the segregation laws back in the late uh, 50s or what have you, those segregation laws had really no other purpose but to push the black person down. It really did not oppress white people whatsoever. So, you, you know, there really is no rational argument for, you know, holding on to these, you know, oppressive laws. So um, when the civil rights movement and when you had Dr. King and Abernathy and the SCLC and the SNCC and CORE, when they go against these oppressive laws – they have a justification for it. They're like, listen, the Supreme Court has already ruled that segregation is illegal. So we have a foundation. We are justified, and we're going to have a nonviolent movement to go against the law that oppresses us. We want laws that benefit everyone. So I'm trying to make a distinction between those who feel who are antisocial for their own selfish purposes to those who are being civilly disobedient because – there are laws that oppress, you know, uh, a particular people. So that's one thing, uh, the whole nature of civil disobedience. King says that civil disobedience is a commitment to conscience. And I'm reading, this is not a disobedience to a just society or just laws. Civil disobedience does not cause chaos to order. In other words, think about a, a bratty kid who is like, well, you know, I'm just going to go against mom and dad because I, I, I want things on my own terms. We're talking about um, ca- causing chaos to chaos. If you, if you have a chaotic organization or chaotic laws that bring misery to someone, then you can disrupt that for the better good. Well, I, I think I think I'd take it a you know I want to go back to um, it's, it feels like it's in two parts to me, mm-hmm. and I'm you know. We have the gospel that you just read in Daniel, sure. mm-hmm. and Christ quotes a lot about Daniel throughout mm-hmm. throughout uh, you know his teachings. 
kind of just like put put it in the face of the Pharisees and mm-hmm. go like, hey, I'm, you know, I know I know what I'm talking about. I've got the. But also, Christ took it a little bit a step further and said, I want you to have a share table with your enemies. That's right. I want you to go in deep and understand your enemies, mm-hmm. um, not just. Uh, not just ask God to protect you. God, of course, you want to pray that God will protect you from your enemies. But mm-hmm. you know, you've got a you've got a voice in this. You've got a responsibility in mm-hmm. this. I think the first part of this is is is, is own up to you know your convictions, which sure. is what the, the you know Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego do. Mm-hmm. What I'm talking about, Eve. That's the, right. And that's what I'm talking about. The whole Christ story doing mm-hmm. is that he he. He he did face them. He owned up to that's right. everything he taught. That's right. And that's a that's a big that's a big conscription to give to everybody. Mm-hmm. But but even bigger than that is feeling empathy and caring for your enemies. And that's something that I struggle with, and I think a lot of Christians struggle with, non Christians struggle mm-hmm. with every single day when they are trying to find a way to to fight oppression to to stand up against what mm-hmm. is wrong mm-hmm. and uh, and I think it it is confusing mm-hmm. it's a really hard message you you're asked to forgive mm-hmm. does that mean you're a doormat you know what is the difference That's and I point. And, and I think what you what you need to do mm-hmm. is is to understand your enemies as well like that guy I was telling you who infiltrated all mm-hmm. those sure. all the right places sure he wanted to understand what he found out surprised him mm-hmm. is that these are people they're messed up people. They're hurt people. Mm-hmm. They're screwed up people, mm-hmm. you know. And they're spreading this amongst themselves, mm-hmm. you know, like a like a disease that they have no cure for. Mm-hmm. And it goes on from generation to generation mm-hmm. to generation. Mm-hmm. And how do you deal with that? First part is to understand it mm-hmm. and understand them. To forgive them, that's fine, but it doesn't mean you have to condone it at all mm-hmm. you do not have to put up and make friends with oppression yeah at all tell it for what it is right say this is what it is mm-hmm. and then the next part is is to own up to that mm-hmm. and then only that i think you get even, even close to being christ-like yeah where it's like i'm ready to embrace you and bring you to the mm-hmm. you know, out of this darkness yeah you know you don't you can't you can't possibly bring somebody out of darkness when you're fighting them, and mm-hmm. you can't possibly bring somebody out of darkness if you're if you're just opposed to them, without having some kind of empathy and understanding of their yeah. of their predicament too. I don't it's, think people want to be in that situation. It's it's a, de- on it's a very, either side. It's, it's a very delicate thing. It's very delicate. It's a very delicate yeah. thing, and you know it's it's funny because you and I, for those who don't know, because it's ra- it's not radio, but it's a podcast. I'm black. And you're and you're white, Craig. So they say. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. And it's funny, you know, when I went back to D.C., uh, this is actually a conversation I had a while back with my dad, who was, of course, an older generation. He lived during the the whole civil rights movement. He was like, "You have a lot of white friends, don't you?" And I'm like, uh, "Yeah, yeah, it's, it's no big deal." He's like, "Okay, that's it's interesting." And he wasn't implying that's something strange, you know? Why aren't you hanging out with black? Of course, I do, but. I'm of a generation, probably the first generation of, you know, like my sisters or whatever, they and my brothers, you know, they they have no problem interacting with people of different races and, and all that sort of stuff. And I even asked you, Craig, you know, like your dad, you know, I'm sure he had a very hard time hanging out with black folks. Well, no, it just uh, it never it never happened. 
Sure. Uh, I mean, uh, he grew up, and I grew up there, yeah. with, you know, in Fort Worth, Texas, mm-hmm. in a very segregated society, even though integration and desegregation sure. happened when I was a youngster. Mm-hmm. Uh, after school, even during school, people mm-hmm. you know hung out with their own yeah. uh, particular community, mm-hmm. and you know, and didn't mix mix a lot. Sure, really didn't mix a lot yeah. unless you know you you happen to sit. I happen to sit in alphabetical order next to another guy named Dickerson who was who was having to be black or, <laughs> or, 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 right, or, or Latino we, or whatever. And we yeah. shared the last same name, yeah. <laughs> last names, and yeah. suddenly we had a bond, right? You know, kind of artificial bond. But no, there but, wasn't but, there wasn't the opportunity. Sure. And so, but I don't think he was averse to it. I right. just think he wouldn't know what to do. He'd feel like anybody who's not white is kind of exotic. Sure. <laughs> you know? Sure. No, I totally understand. And you the know? reason why I had sort of interrupted you a little bit, I, I totally understand. You do have to have empathy for your enemies. I'm sure that many blacks or women or those who feel oppressed may feel antsy about that because it's like, well, wait a minute, you know, that's sort of, you know, mollifying the folks who are oppressing us. That's not what we're saying. And I totally understand what you're saying. You really must understand what you know who your oppressors are and why i think it's one of the reasons in there's a book that i read and i talk about it all the time walking with the wind it's a recollection by john lewis about the civil rights movement not only did king have to fight against the white oppressors but he had to fight against the northern blacks who came in Mm -hmm. from the south to help out with vote voter registrations and protesting but also these were folks who were very much into rebellion. They were like, hey, listen, if someone kicks me, I'm going to kick them back. Mm-hmm. If someone fights me, I'm going to fight them back. You know, of course. Malcolm X talked about the ballad or the bullet. You know, you F me up, I'm going to F you up too. Right. And these are the folks who, unfortunately, in my opinion, took over the SNCC, the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. Basically, it was first run by Christians. They went to a divinity school to be preachers, and then they sort of got thrusted into the civil rights movement. But they always believed in nonviolence. And having empathy for your enemies. They were taken over by Stokely Carmichael, who turned it into a sort of a black uh, resistance, um, Black Panther-like movement, where they had guns and they had you know, machetes and all that sort of stuff. I think the other part that really makes this card yeah. is that you know, a lot of times <coughs> there is a, a veil mm-hmm. purposely put yeah. over the entire situation mm-hmm. for – for the oppressors mm-hmm. and for the oppressed. Yeah. I mean, you know, we have, you know, it, we, we're sitting here touting in this sort of mansplaining kind of way. Sure, like, sure. Listen, here's people. This is what you need to do. You need to understand your enemies. What if your enemy's whole tactic is to be mercurial, is to be a judge that is sitting there in front of Congress and mm-hmm. they ask him, Hey, what do you think of uh, our, uh, Roe v. Wade? Right, and they and they say like, Oh yeah, that's president. Oh yeah, that's law. Mm-hmm. That's the real thing. <laughs> and when they're sitting there saying they're they're moderate and, and towards the middle, mm-hmm. and it's not true. Right. What they're doing is trying to put a veil and trying to take away, mm-hmm. you know, and and camouflage, you know, what the you know, you know, the kind of deeds and kind of oppression they really they really want to mm-hmm. do mm-hmm. or they're really going to do you know so mm-hmm. we're, we're you know people just accept it as padlock i mean even recently you know they're talking about they're asking uh trump appointed justices point blank hey what do you think of brown v board, board of, of education oh, they're, wow. and, and they're like and the justice are kind of like oh yeah we'll get back to you on that yeah uh, i don't know about that yeah well, we're talk- i mean stuff people this is stuff that is just putting a veil on it. 
Yeah. It's trying to make you – they don't want you to get to first base on this forgiving. Yeah. They sure as don't want you to hit the home run about having a dinner with them yeah. and embracing them. Yeah. What they want to do is veil their oppression and veil mm-hmm. their evil yeah. so that you won't even know you're in it. We don't want, even want you to know where we're coming from. Once you do that, yeah. then you'll like – before you know it, you'll be uncovering it. Yeah. And making, I mean, all this fake news, real news. Yeah. It's all BS just to get you to not see what's happening. Yeah. Do not look at what's happening with us. Mm-hmm. And if it wasn't for the power of subpoena, we wouldn't know a lot that we know today, and we need to know even more. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm going to jump into because not only do you have this sort of uh, this concept of divide and conquer, you know, let's uh, unite each other by being against something. That was something Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar did. Um, so I did a Wikipedia thing on Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar is an important character in the Old Testament book of Daniel. Daniel 1 introduces Nebuchadnezzar as the king who takes Daniel and other Hebrews into captivity into Babylon to be trained in the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. Um, I guess that didn't last. Yeah. In his second year... <laughs> In Nebuchadnezzar's second year, Daniel interprets the king's dreams of a huge image uh, as God's prediction of the rise and fall of world powers, starting with Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom. That's in Daniel 2. Nebuchadnezzar twice admits the power of God to the Hebrews. Um, um, uh, First in the Hashem, first after Hashem saves three of Daniel's companions from a fiery furnace. Oh, that's the, yeah, that's the verse that we're talking about. And secondly, after Nebuchadnezzar himself suffers a humiliating period of madness, as Daniel predicts. It seems to me that Daniel is giving the truth to Nebuchadnezzar, but Nebuchadnezzar is fighting the truth. Um, and it, you know, I don't, I'm going to be blatantly con- con- comparing Trump to Nebuchadnezzar because... <laughs> Everything that Babylon to America, yeah, I think exactly. it's been done before. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know it's refried beans, but uh, yeah. you know Trump, you know, because all of these subpoenas about uh, you know like finding about the tax records and finding about you know what was in the Mueller report and his fighting against you know hiding these things is really just hiding the truth. We don't want you to see the truth. We want you to see what we want you to see, and we want to put upon you our laws. We no discussions. No discussions about whether it's fair or not fair. We're going to impose upon you my law, and if you don't oppose, if you oppose my law, then you will die. There, and no discussion. And that's basically what's happening here in Daniel three. That's basically what's happening in Alabama to, to women, uh, even even women mm-hmm. who have no power whatsoever, exactly. even in their own community. Yeah. Now they won't have power. Within the entire system. Exactly. You know? So I, so I want to set it up because I really want to compare these three children to, you know, what's happening with us now, and especially with the women in, in Alabama. And, it's, and, you know, if if the Republicans have it their way, it won't be just be Alabama. It may be the entire United States. You know, if Roe v. Wade is overturned, I, I feel so bad because and it doesn't oppress men. You know, we men, if I hook up on a date with someone and, you know, wind up getting that per, that female pregnant – I'm not going to be, you know, punished or anything that, like that. But she will, especially if she doesn't have the right to abort her child. Anyway, so Nebuchadnezzar says basically, listen, I have a law. I'm telling you what to do. You have no choice over the matter. You tell me you're not going to do it. And they don't say a F you to them or they don't curse or whatever. They don't, you know, <laughs> call them anything. 
but they seem to, I don't know if you want to call it compassion, you know, like I had, a, I had an adverse reaction when you talked about having compassion with your enemies because it's a very tough thing. And, of course, it's a hard pill to swallow. Man. And, and, of course, Republicans will say, yes, you need to have compassion for us. You know, Roy, don't assume compassion with complicity. Exactly. You know, great and, point. And, and that's, that's why I say it's this is a tough one. It's kind of confusing forgiveness with being a, 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 mm-hmm. a you know, a doormat. Exactly. Uh, the two seem mm-hmm. side by side, but there's mm-hmm. a, there, there's a very, very. There's a very big difference between these things. Absolutely. And the kids show us this because they seem to have some sort of compassion. I mean, they're very graceful in their response. And I'm going to read it in the King James Version because this is uh, Dr. King. His, he gives it to us in the King James Version. Those two verses. Yeah. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so... Our God, and and basically he's saying, listen, what what is your God going to do about it? I'm going to throw you in the furnace. What is your God going to do? Is he going to save you? And here's what they say. Verse 17, if it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. So basically they're saying, listen, we believe in our God, and our belief is so strong, even if we have to die for it, we're going to own up to it, just like what you're saying. Mm-hmm. We're going to own up, and we're going to take whatever the, the pain is. But we would rather do that than to bow down and to accept this law or this God that you are putting upon us. And I think that's very, very important. And that's something that King told his people, listen, we're going to go to jail. We're going to get beaten up. We're going to have the hose put on us. We're going to have dogs sick, sick on us. People are going to talk about us. People are going to walk away from our lives. But we'd rather deal that, deal with the proverbial fire, metaphysical fire, than to accept this. We're going to be true to our God. And King has a wonderful, he has a wonderful, um, if you listen to the sermon, he talks about the difference between having an if faith, he calls it a though faith. Mm-hmm. Basically, the if faith is, well, Jesus, I will praise your name if <laughs> if you help me out. If, please. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you take the cancer from my body. If you help me pay my bills. Yeah. Well, it's math, man. Yeah. Something plus something must equal something. <laughs> you know? Right. That's easy to understand. Yeah. What's hard to understand is that, is that these three guys, Nebuchadnezzar comes in and says, listen, man. Listen, guys. I'm going to tell you, this is who I am. Yeah. This is what I want. Yes. Very, very plain. Yeah. I, I'm not really asking you who you are. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm telling you who I am. Yes. You got it? And they, and right back into them, they say, like, okay, we hear you. They mirror right back. Yeah. This is who you are. This is what you want. You want us to, mm-hmm. you know, worship this, your God, and you want us to confirm that our God will protect us. Mm-hmm. And we're going to say this. We don't know. We don't know what our God's going to do. We know what who you are. Mm-hmm. We know who your God is. Yeah. We believe in our God. We believe in ourselves. Mm-hmm. We don't have. We don't have the the missing part of mm-hmm. this mathematical equation. Yeah. We have us. Mm-hmm. We have you. That equals something we don't know. Right. I mean, it puts it, it puts them right in the present. Mm-hmm. 
right in the presence with themselves, with their conviction. Yeah. And I think if you listen to the Dr. King speech, he's talking about it's not a matter of expectation. Exactly. You're, you know, bad shit's going to happen to you. You know bad shit's already happening to Mm -hmm. you. You know it's wrong. You don't need to go soul-searching and figure out who you are. You know who you are. Yeah. What you don't know is what's going to happen next. Right. You don't know what's next. And if you create an expectation, chances are you're going to be very surprised. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it may not be what you expected. Yeah. You know, so he's not telling them everything's going to be cool. He's telling you, this is where you're at right now. These are the tools you have. Mm -hmm. You have grace and hope and faith. Exactly. And you don't have a solution. Mm -hmm. You have the tools to make a solution, but you don't have the solution. Yeah. You're going to walk into that furnace. Mm -hmm. You don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. There are two two things I get from these kids. Number one, there are two things that they know. They know that they are not, they're not going to bow down. Regardless of what happens, they're not going to bow down to this gold calf, whatever the hell the thing is. And number two, they have faith. They have faith in their God. They don't know what's going to happen. And it's the truest commitment to faith that, that, I've, that I've seen here where they're like, listen, we don't know what's going to happen, but we know what we're going to do. Yeah. And it's just like those kids who uh, were sat at the uh, – the, um, the, uh, the, uh, the the uh, the sit-ins, that's what I'm trying to say, the sit-ins at the coffee, you know, they know they're going to be arrested. You know, I'm talking about the folks at the civil rights movement, you know, back in the 60s where they sat at that uh, that coffee stand or whatever. They don't know what the white folks are going to do. They don't know if they're going to be lynched. They don't know if um, I had talked about, so in Walking with the Wind, King had made sure that if you're going to do any protesting, contact us, let us know. Let's have some organization and they went, about and it. And they, w- they went without any cover. Exactly. These kids, there were these three college kids that just said, hey, let's do a sit-in. We're just going to do it by blind faith. <laughs> and uh, we're not going to contact anybody. Yeah. And they knew they were committed. They were going to do it. And, of course, King was like, okay, that's great. But please, in the future, give us a call so that we can have lawyers set up. We can know where you are. We have the money set up to bail you out. You're not alone. You have a community. But it's their faith. They had a faith. They were, going to, they were committed to doing this. And I think about you know, all of the, uh, the women who are committed to talking out. There's uh, Alyssa Milano has been all over the news uh, this past week talking about uh, her, what she's had to go through as a woman. Um, and uh, there was a woman talk, talking about uh, how she was raped and how she has to give custody to, you know, the rapist, um, joint custody for the child, um, which is horrible. But they're speaking out, and they're going to – they don't care what blowback they get, how people, you know, see to them or dealing with the scrutiny of of media attention. But um, it's a question that, that, that Jesus puts on all of us, that these children are asking us right here in 2019. How strong is your faith? You don't know what God is going to do. A lot of people say, well, I don't know if I believe in God because, uh, you know, I just I see people praise God, but they're still living in poverty or they're still doing this, that or whatever. What they're really saying is I'm not I don't see a quid quid pro quo. What am I getting out of it? Well, I think I think uh, I, I know I'm, I know we're turning off some of our listeners by. Well, 
if you have if you listen to us by now, you know we're not going to give up on the Christian thing. Absolutely. But uh, you know, that's, that's just the way it's going. That's right. the way it's going to go forward with us. Yeah. But as far as you know, our our deep seated liberal beliefs, which I think Reg and I share, maybe not maybe not everybody does. Mm-hmm. You know, I I get you. I I I can feel like maybe hey, I'm I'm going to tune this part out or whatever, mm-hmm. or take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. I think what what I want to say, at least as far as how I'm learning the scripture right now in this particular one. It is challenging. It's challenging, you know, on on many, many mm-hmm. different levels. But what it's telling me is, like, when you're faced with this kind of oppression, when you're face-to-face with evil, whether it be the evil that you see in others or in the world or in mm-hmm. your government or in your even in yourself or even in your own families, yeah. you know, even in your own relationships that have, like, you know, gone to shit. Yeah. Um, when you're faced with meanness and evil and, and things that aren't right, mm-hmm. and you want to get above it and you want to get beyond it and you want to be able to have some beauty and joy and grace and, you know, heavenly spirit in your life, mm-hmm. the first thing you need to do is get yourself in the present tense. Yeah. I mean, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego sit there and they say, like, you know, we know you, Nebuchadnezzar, we know us. We know what we're going to do. We mm-hmm. know what we believe in. Yeah. But is it all going to work out just dandy? Mm-hmm. Because that's what you're expecting it might. Mm-hmm. You know, or you know, because Nebuchadnezzar kind of says like, "Hey, is your God going to save you from this?" Right. I mean, if you have this radical belief, you know, and they're like saying like, you know, I just don't know. Guess we're just going to have to live in the present. Yeah. And living in the present means all of that stuff. It means the anger, mm-hmm. the fear, yeah. the not knowing how things are going to work out, the putting your faith in yourself, knowing yourself, empathizing with your enemies, understanding them. And that means understanding them, not just as something that, that you you know, are against, but as another entity with their own set of problems, their own set of faults, their own set of blindness. And then using that, using that mm-hmm. to move forward. Just accepting all those things, accepting the fear, mm-hmm. it's going to be there without the expectation of what should happen, but with the idea like I'm here, I'm realizing this, mm-hmm. and I'm going forward. Yeah. You know, and that takes guts, man. Mm-hmm. It takes a whole hell of a lot of guts. Mm-hmm. This is not easy stuff. This is not easy stuff if you're a Christian. This is not easy stuff if you're not. Mm-hmm. But it's it's reality. And being in the presence and believing in in, in, in yourself and knowing that mm-hmm. you know, you're you're not you're not in this by yourself that you have strength and 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 goodness yeah. you know whether you accept that as the Lord Jesus Christ as mm-hmm. we do or you accept it as the goodness that you know in your heart is the right things yeah you know that's what I'm talking about and it's not easy shit it no really no no it, it is not and um, in the future because we've touched on it before in other uh, episodes. The uh, the concept of forgiveness, because, um, you know, there are some people who are like, well, no matter what, I've got to forgive because as a Christian, I've got to forgive. Um, <laughs> I'm still on the fence on that. I, I feel I will forgive someone who asks for forgiveness. Yeah. And I go through this. You know, I work for the DA's <laughs> office in San Francisco. We're prosecuting the body. Yeah. And, um, you know, easier said than done, right? It, it is easier said than done. <laughs> and, you know, there are a lot of uh, defendants. There are a lot of people who do a lot of evil saying, well, hey, I'm going to be forgiven anyway. So, yeah, you know, what's yeah. the big deal? I can work the system. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
Um, but I also wanted to talk about just, you know, we're running into, we're getting close to the hour mark. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but we've had a lot of fun talking. Well, I guess my, my Lenten obligation is over. It was shut up and listen more. <laughs> Boy, that's, that's, that's past. No, 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 that's fine. Hey, listen, there's, you, there's a reason you have a mic. There's a reason you have a mic in your hand. Don't hurt me. But um, <laughs> there are a lot of Christians who believe, uh, unfortunately, that Christianity requires obedience. Be obedient to God. Be obedient to Jesus. Be obedient to the Bible. Be obedient to the commandments. Mm -hmm. Be obedient to the Father. Be obedient to your mom and dad. Be obedient to the government. Obedience, obedience, obedience. Mm -hmm. I'm here to say that Jesus, many times in his life, <laughs> was that very disobedient. He was. He's a radical. Yeah. He was a radical. Yeah. And it's okay to be a radical. It's okay to be disobedient mm -hmm. if you are justified in it. And it's something that I sort of began, you know, that was the theme that I had in the very, very beginning. You know, well, Nebuchadnezzar. Hopefully, hopefully somebody who doesn't understand you will forgive you. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm hoping to, for you, Ray. Nebuchadnezzar. I'm in your corner, dude. Nebuchadnezzar <laughs> expects these kids to be obedient. Look, I gave you a law. Yeah. You understand laws? You're Hebrews. Obey. <laughs> <laughs> you know what laws are? You're all laws. Right. And Nebuchadnezzar believes, as probably as most kings do, hey, I've got a raging fire in front of you. <laughs> of course you will obey. Of course. You know, we react by fear. And, and, and you got ears, don't you? Listen for the oboes. Right. <laughs> that means obey. Exactly. <laughs> obey. And, you know, the, these kids are like, listen. We're going to disobey, and we feel justified in doing it. Yeah. And they don't do it, say, F you to the system, or they don't do it for selfish reasons. They do it because they have a belief. They have a belief, and it's okay to – it's okay to – if you know that there's something, you know, and, and we're not just talking about in politics. Maybe you're in a relationship where that's oppressive. Maybe you're in a job that's oppressive. Maybe you're asked to do something which is completely, you know, against everything that you believe in. Um, and your belief is encompassing everyone, not just your friends or your enemies. I mean, sorry, your friends, but your enemies. Um, it's okay to 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 um, to to be civilly disobedient. You know, thank God for Dr. King for being civilly disobedient. You know, I can ride on the front part of a bus. I can, you know, I can look upon, you know, you, Craig, you know, not just by the color of our skin, but the content of our character, as King wanted us to be, you know. That God for the disobedience. If they weren't disobedient, then, you know, we'd still be in, you know, living in Jim Crow hell or whatever. I was reading an article today on uh, the Washington Post about the ch new children of South Africa oh. and how they live in complete harmony where they don't have it. And it's not a forced harmony where, you know, we've got to force or integrate you forcibly into, you know, a society where that's foreign to you. Well, it, it, it started with that, but yeah. now it's organic. Exactly. You know? It's organic. Yeah. But it began with disobedience. It's it had a, to. Yeah. It had to. And uh, as as I see, like nations like Poland and other other nations, you know, starting, you know, <laughs> Britain with its total Brexit thing. Yeah. Uh, here with this total like anti-immigrants and anti-family and anti-Muslim and anti-this and that and gays and trans and so forth, you know, I start to see the you know this kind of desperation mm -hmm. for these people who want us to be. Small-minded, mm -hmm. uninformed, yeah, poor without power. I mean, you know, wages have not gone up in any substantial thing since the 1970s. People, yeah, this is not something that has just happened, you know, in the last two years. This has been happening a long, long time, and people are getting sick of it. And that's why 
it's becoming an issue. Yeah. Because people are going to rise up. I mean, when the glaciers melt and the food wars come, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. the, the good people are going to have to find each other. Yeah. And they want to find each other now. And we're trying to be some of those good people for you, mm-hmm. for you, for yes. me, Reg, because – I think Dr. King said it really simply, and it's just like makes you cry because, you, you know, it's something I think everybody wants is our, in their heart. Yeah. Is he wants us all, all to be children of God. We're children. You're a child. You're my brother. Absolutely. And I'm a child. Of, and, you know, we got a, we got an emotional immaturity. and We've got our thumbs in our mouths. Yeah. And, and we have to accept each other's faults. And we, have to ex- and we have to forgive each other's faults. Yeah. Just as we would like our faults forgive. Yeah. But. I know this is tough to swallow, and, and we don't have a lot of time. We've got to close out. I'm going to sure. close this out in a prayer, but I just want to say, like, um, mm-hmm. did you want to read one more thing? I want to read one more thing, um, and I'm going to close this out. Usually we close out in the song, but I'm going to close this out in Dr. King's uh, last three minutes of this great speech that we will um, talk about. But just as you were talking about, you're not alone. You know, um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went into that fire. You know, Nebuchadnezzar was true to his word. He says, okay, you're not going to bend the knee. Here you go. You're going in the fire. And they were protected. They were saved. Oh, no. I thought, I thought you, you were going to get – I was going to say, look, tune in next time. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but, the, but the last bullet before we go into prayer and we close this out is that you are not alone. If you feel – and a lot of people who do protest feel nobody understands what I'm going through. Mm. If this is just me, this is just my pain, that is absolutely not true. There are people who are by your side, and a lot of times when we when we seclude each other from each other, that's where we have the polarization. That's where we have the us versus the world mentality. And just as you were saying, we are brothers. And you may not be Christian, you may be Muslim, Jewish, agnostic, atheist, but we we we're brothers and sisters. We you know we belong together. And the more we have that mentality. The better, the better you'll feel, the better you'll understand that um, we can bond, we can be together, we can love each other. It may seem, sound Pollyannish. I know it sounds very Sesame Street-like, very, like Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. But what's the alternative? You know, do we really want to live like, you know, um, in this polarized environment that we have? So it takes me extending my hand to someone else, someone who I may not like. I, you know, I began by saying... I don't know if I feel, you know, I, I'll forgive if someone asks me to forgive. But really, I'm ready to forgive. I'm always ready to forgive. Right and I'm always ready to extend that hand. And so Nish, uh, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're not alone. They have a belief and a faith that God is with them. And as it turns out, <laughs> spoilers, uh, God is with them. Uh-oh. And God is with you. <coughs> so I just want Truly. you to remember that. Well, thanks, Reg. Right. All right. As always, it's wonderful. Do you mind if I close this out? Absolutely. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, once again, you brought us two together in spirit um, and fellowship so that we can find a deeper understanding of ourselves, of your fabulous teachings, and also the world that we don't know. As we come through it, naively as we are, and humbly, we thank you for the opportunity each time to grow in spirit, in love, and understanding, and acceptance. And and in times when we don't know, um, we thank you and praise you and hope for forgiveness and enlightenment so that we can be better people in this world for ourselves, for other people, and especially for the works that you've made us 
here to do, that you put us on this earth to do. We thank you again in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That was a wonderful one. All right. Uh, here is our blurb. Faith is podcast open to anyone. You may be, um, you may not believe at all. You may be Muslim, Jewish, agnostic, or atheist. You may have had a horrible experience in the church, which made you turn your back to God. You can still have faith. We ask that you listen to this podcast, even challenge us. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram. You can find me at Red Space Clay. You can find Deb Carriker at DL Carriker. Um, and share what you feel. Don't be alienated because we speak of what we believe. The Bible has been around for thousands of years, and even now in the age of the Internet and social media and great technology, it still has a message for all of us. You can listen to this podcast where you're listening to it now, but you can tell your friends on the Apple Podcast app and on iTunes. Just open up your iTunes app, click on the store, go to the search engine on the upper right-hand side and search for You Gotta Have Faith, and you will find us. If you're an Android user, download SoundCloud.com or just uh, download sound, the SoundCloud app or just go on SoundCloud.com. Search for us and you will find us. Thanks for listening. And now I will play Dr. King's last three minutes of the sermon, But If Not. But somehow that burning fiery furnace was transformed into an air-conditioned living room. Somebody looked in there and said, we put three in here, but now we see four. Don't ever think you're by yourself. Go on to jail if necessary, but you never go alone. Take a stand for that which is right. The world may misunderstand you and criticize you, but you never go alone for... Somewhere I read that one with God is a majority. And God has a way of transforming a minority into a majority. Walk with him this morning and believe in him and do what is right. And he'll be with you even until the consummation of the ages. Yes, I've seen the lightning flash. I've heard the thunder roll. I felt sin breakers dashing, trying to conquer my soul, but I heard the voice of Jesus saying, still to fight on. He promised never to leave me, never to leave me alone. No, never alone. No, never alone. He promised never to leave me, never to leave me alone. Where are you going this morning, my friends? Tell the world that you're going with truth. You're going with justice. You're going with goodness. And you will have an eternal companionship. And the world will look at you. And they will understand you. For your fiery furnace will be around you. But you go on anyhow. But if not, I will not bow. And God grant that we will never bow before the gods of evil.